The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to this special two-part episode covering just some of the highlights from Exploring Different Brains in 2018. In this first part, we're going to hear from a handful of the inspiring self-advocates whom we have featured. Becca Laurie. For any young woman, or any woman, who has just been diagnosed with autism, what would you advise her? Read. Read is my favorite thing to advise, and, and not everyone is a reader, and that's why I was so excited to do the podcast, because sometimes you need it in a different medium. So what I say is go find your tribe. That's the, the best way, and I know I'll get flack for saying the word tribe. It's not cultural appropriation. I'm sorry if it offended you, but it, go look for us. Go find us, um, because we're writing. There are others of you out there writing speaking, doing podcasts, being available online and you're in the online groups. Most of our community functions online. If you're looking for the autism community, get on your computer. We're there. Um, and that's how we all communicate with each other. So get online, get some books, look for some recommendations. Um, you can start on my website if you want to. I have some resources on there. I certainly have my writing and reading on there. But I always say to people, start there. Read somebody else's experience. Because the minute you start to understand that you're no longer alone and it's not just you and you're not the broken one, suddenly there's hope and there's the ability to understand that things can change and it doesn't have to be the way it's been. Um, but until you hear other women's voices, to know you're not the only voice, it's kind of hard to push past. So get out there and do some reading. You don't have to get involved. You don't. You can get online and just you know go around and read. You don't have to participate right away. Um, but you'll feel less alone in the journey for sure. Casey Seidman, what tips do you have for someone like someone in our different brains audience who might have dyslexia or ADHD or family members? What's the biggest tips you might be able to give them? Be very patient. Be very, very patient because when you're younger and you have ADHD or some kind of learning disability, things tend to come at first slowly. So you might learn something. You might teach a child or teach a nephew or teach a niece something, and they may not get it right away, but it might click in two weeks. So my advice is to be patient. And if you're that person with ADHD or a learning disability, be patient with yourself. It will come to you. Not only will it come to you, you'll learn how to take it and use it as an advantage. Because a learning disability, or a different brain as they would say, is not a disadvantage. On the contrary, it's something of an advantage. Um, you have to think of it like Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee used to say, be like water. Well, that lets you be like water. And that lets you take a look at whatever your disadvantage is and turn that around to your advantage. And that's my philosophy. That's my advice to everybody. Lisa Wood Shapiro. What tips would you have for people in our audience, whether they're dyslexic or not, on becoming a writer and trying to make a living at it? Uh, you have to have, be egoless. You have to be persistent. Um, anyone that's starting out to write, I would recommend Ryan Holiday's book, um, The Obstacle is the Way. Um, it, it is a fun book to actually it's a great audible if you're riding in the car or something and um the book is really about 
some of the great quotes of Stoicism, like Seneca, a lot of his quotes sound like they came from someone yesterday. I mean, but one of the things is, um, is this for anyone trying to be a writer? Not just dyslexics, right? Right. You're trying to do something that you're going to get rejected. You're going to have to have um, a vision and a fortitude to not have an ego about that and to see yourself as just a persistent person doing work and action, action, action. And so I would say anyone that's trying to be a writer to kind of seek out that kind of book where it really talks about um, it's action that will get it done. So, you know, when you first start writing, you might have this great pitch and you send it to the one person you know that happens to be an editor or a writer at a magazine you want to be in, and you might not hear from them and you'll get a no. And that might be three weeks of your life. And I would say you should be pitching constantly and assume you'll get rejected. And if you're giving someone a first look, tell them, but you know, a few days go by, you don't hear, go pitch someone else. If you think it's a good idea, you'll usually land it. Also, um, so anyway, so, but, so I just want to say a couple of things. So, and then also your loyalty should be to the work. Pierre Marsh. For example, if I give you an analogy, a tanker would be a massive ship, um, needs a huge rudder to turn its direction. That's humanity. It needs a huge rudder to start turning that uh, tanker. And it takes about two or three miles to turn the tanker. But guess what's on the big rudder? A very small rudder, which turns in the opposite direction. And without that having that capacity to turn in the opposite direction, the big rudder won't be able to turn to turn the ship out of danger. And I believe that's where neurodivergence is. It sits on the edges, the fringes of humanity. Think about all the entrepreneurs. Think about all the people in Oxford and Cambridge, for example, which are neurodivergent. They said something like 40% people with Asperger's, they're focused, they can't stop doing, applying themselves to a particular problem. To, to think about the arts, philosophy. All of this is where neurodivergence sits. Yes, the sequential people who run the administrations and the offices and all these types of things are very important, but they are work well in conjunction with all that creativity. Jeff Emerson. Now, here at Different Brains, what we try to do is to learn and teach positive tools for people to use. Now, somebody's watching this who might be going through a depression and has other stuff going on. What's the advice you give them? Obviously, it's case by case. Uh, like on, on Twitter, I certainly, first of all, say I don't try to just have a cookie cutter answer, of course, right? But what I would say is that for me, and again, because I've been there, uh, the worst moments and the worst struggles taught me, ironically, they taught me the greatest strength, the greatest resilience, uh, and uh, almost like baptism by fire, right? Uh, they taught me to they forced me. It's either one way or the other. Um, you're either going to go all in and and figure this stuff out, and uh, you know, or else it's obviously a, a much darker choice. And I chose the former. Fortunately, uh, I would say number one be. And again, I, I can only offer this from the heart. I don't have the perfect answer, 
but be gentle on yourself no matter what's going on around you is a huge thing, I think. Uh, I know I would always get into the racing, you know, high expectation, anxiety, sort of, uh, you know, mindset and self-sabotage in hindsight. So I would say you're not alone definitely in this stuff and that you can go. And I was, remember I was 35 at the time. So age, regardless if I was 70 or 12 or anywhere or whatever the age, uh, you can certainly overcome, you can change the future, you can, you know, all that stuff. But for now, be gentle on yourself. Don't rush it. And I'll finish with this. Like my wife said, it's okay to wave the white flag and allow someone else to help you. Again, the best thing I could have done, and that's why I'm here on this mission today. Patrick Salarulo, I'm going to be speaking down in Washington, D.C. at a big event. And what might you say to inspire other people, to somebody your age, to, uh, to encourage them? Hmm. I'm telling them. Be honest. Be honest is the key. Think. Use your brain and think. Yeah. Kimberly Spire O. What advice would you have for someone out there who has epilepsy, who's a female and is thinking of starting a family? I would advise them to seek out a, a geneticist and um, get information about um, their condition and their family history just so they know what risks are involved. And I, I would encourage them to look into the AED registry because I think that um, it has, it's world renowned as far as the information that they can provide. But they need to know that you can do it, you can have healthy children. Um, there are certain things that I had to be taught as far as once um, I, my son arrived, um, people with seizures have to be careful about using um, changing tables because if uh, you set your child down and then you have a seizure, nobody's going to be able to keep the baby on the table and the child is at risk. So I had to learn to bring blankets that I could lie him down on the floor or on a, you know, a low setting so that I didn't have that risk. Um, when you're um, a new parent, you are not getting enough sleep, and sl lack of sleep can be a risk factor for um, epilepsy. So you don't, you know, you're more at risk to have seizures while you're going through those early stages of having an infant. So being aware of that and trying to do a lot of self-care and get as much rest as you can um, is another thing. But you can do it. Just reach out for the resources and information that you need to do it successfully, and. Um, Anita Lesko. I'd like to touch on something that often doesn't get discussed with people on the spectrum, which is I want you to give some advice from your vantage point, your unique perspective on relationships. Someone who's in a relationship with someone on the spectrum. My husband and I talked, and he's, he's autistic. Um, and I think our most positive aspect of a relationship is our ability to communicate. Now, doesn't that sound funny for two people on the autism spectrum that allegedly can't communicate or whatever? 
But like he and I, one of our, our hobbies of, with each other is sitting and talking for hours and hours, like on the weekends especially. Like even if it's hot out, we'll put the jack up the air conditioner and then build a fire in the fireplace and then just sit there and talk for hours, you know, like on the couch, my, my legs will be over his lap and we sit there holding hands and talking, talking, talking. We do things together all the time. We both love to cook. And so we like, we rarely will go out to dinner. We always eat at home and make it from scratch. So we do that together. And it's, you know, you have to find somebody that you can talk to and be friends with first because there isn't going to be any kind of a long-lasting relationship if you can't be friends with that person and 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 have them think, you know, from that aspect to get along together, have shared common interests together, and and just be able to sit and talk to each other. Um, that's our, that's, we, we think is a very, very strong component of, of the success of our marriage. Sean Smith. You know, I'll, I'll bring it back to no one ever said being awesome would be easy. You know, I, I know that I'm not for everybody and everybody's not for me. We often feel like, you know, validation comes from people liking us and, and being surrounded by people. But I know now as I mature that that's not what it's about. It's about being surrounded by the right people. And if people don't accept you for who you are, they're not friends. Find those people in your life that when you think of them, the value they add to your life just automatically comes into your mind. Those are people who are your friends. If you have, if you hesitate for even a second, not a friend, they're an acquaintance. Find those people that add value to your life and who you are as a person. Surround yourself with them and be that person for them as well. And that's where happiness will come from. It comes from, it comes from within. You're not going to find it by trying to gain acceptance from other people because that means you're trying to be something or somebody that you're not. Matteo Busso. I and she. One of my most fun and pertinent sayings. R E credit A and S O. I'm autistic for so many reasons. I G G E. One of the biggest is to. O S O C I E T, but open to open the minds of society. Find it and and I and help us all re-examine yes, and help us re-examine our priorities. Exploring different brains is a production of Different Brains Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.